You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about the guest for today's episode, Courtney Durandi. Courtney is a CPA and managing partner of TDT CPAs and Advisors, which is a boutique advisory and accounting firm for small businesses and nonprofit organizations with multiple locations in Central and South Central Iowa. Courtney, welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you, Sean. Glad to be here. So excited about our conversation. And where I always like to start is just with some context for the audience. So if you would, please share a little bit about your background and just kind of how you arrived at the current point of your career. Yeah, so I am a CPA and I have been serving clients uh, for most all of my career, just almost 20 years now. And, and so in that role, I've done um, tax, audit, advisory services, kind of as we've grown over the years as a firm, I've been able to, um, to serve clients in different ways. So I've been with TDT for my whole career since I graduated from UNI, uh, in 2002. And, and so now I am serving in the managing partner role. So I get to really, uh, be responsible for our firm's vision and strategic direction. So I don't serve directly a lot of clients anymore in my role as managing partner, but I really still get to serve, uh, clients and help business owners and nonprofit leaders, uh, to make sure that we are finding the ways to help them. So I really, I understand what we do, um, as CPAs and how we help. And my job is to really connect those services with the, the challenges that our clients are facing and find the right team members to serve them, um, and to lead and grow our firm. So the mission and objective that you guys have stated for TDT is to help overwhelmed, successful owners sort of understand and maximize the financial information uh, so they can achieve better results and move their organizations to the next level. Uh, within the context of, of dental practices, how do you guys start and begin to do that? Yeah, so I think for a lot of um, practice owners, you know, they got into this profession to serve patients. And, you know, they go through dental school and learn all of this highly technical, you know, skilled procedural information and, and expertise. And then somewhere along the way, they realize that they're actually also running a business. <laughs> and, and so, um, I think where, where we really help is, to help people to use that financial information to, to grow and scale their practice. Um, because it's hard to be, you know, to wear all those hats. It's hard to be really good at, at, um, serving your patients and leading your team and keeping up with the financial information and, you know, key metrics for your practice, making sure you're profitable. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times patients think, you know, if, if the, if the dentist doesn't see patients on Fridays, they're out golfing. And, and maybe for some, maybe for some of your listeners, I hope that's true. Sure. But a lot of the time, the reality is they're, they're at the clinic, you know, pouring over uh, financials and um, record keeping and the administrative side of things. And so, so we help 
by making sure that that information, the financial information is captured, it's accurate, it's relevant, and that we help um, owners use that information to make decisions about their business and, and their practice so they can grow and be more profitable and help them understand how that information um, can inform kind of where they're going. Um, you know, the, the financials report was already happened in the past. And, and that's certainly important and relevant. And we focus on that. But we also help them to learn how to use that information and other key metrics to also know where they are headed. So there's all these different stages that any business can go through or does go through, uh, same for uh, a dental practice. And it can be probably really easy for someone who started their dental practice from scratch or took over when it was uh, less busy, less profitable, less uh, patients than it does at present day for any given dentist. So I guess my follow-up question to that is, at what point in the the stage or the the growth phase of a business, does the dentist really need to be more aware and start pulling back and realize that they can't wear all the hats and be all things to all people if they're going to continue to practice good dentistry and not get burned out and be at the office on the weekends? Yeah. Yeah. I think in that growth stage, it's really, uh, you know, you've made it past Startup, you know, startup, I feel like that's the phase where you're really focused on finding your patients, finding your right mix of procedures and, and getting things, um, rolling, like actually having patients to help and to serve. And then once you get that established and you move into growth mode, all of a sudden your capacity can start to be limited and you, with each stage, you know, whether it's startup, growth, maturity, um, there are unique challenges and opportunities that come along. So the challenges that you face during startup are different than the challenges you face in growth. And once you get to maturity, there's a whole new set of challenges. And so um, I think a lot of times when you get to the, you know, past that startup mode and start to really grow, um, you can you can run into these new problems, which we we call them blind spots. It's like things that, you know, if you think about when you're driving your car down the road and you go to change lanes, and all of a sudden somebody blares a horn, and you're like, ah, I didn't I didn't know you were there. I didn't see you. I was I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> That's what happens to um, to owners as well. It's like, oh, I I was kind of cruising along here, and what used to work isn't working anymore, and I didn't expect that. So you're moving into the next stage of business, which requires um, a different way of operating in order to avoid burning out or, you know, um, giving up profitability. I love that term blind spots, because as someone who owns a business and as someone who's a business owner yourself, and, you know, we work with other business owners, you, you can easily see how no matter what your industry or your, your expertise is in, that it's, it's, you just got so many things coming from coming at you on a day-to-day basis from <laughs> all over the place that it's it's really hard not to get sucked into not being aware of everything that's going around uh, going on around you at all times and so this idea of uh, not knowing what you don't know or not 
realizing what you're missing and, and kind of phrasing that as a blind spot, I think is a, is a great way to help people visualize that. And uh, I was really intrigued. You actually wrote an ebook uh, about these blind spots. And I think that's a, a really good lead into to talk about that ebook and kind of how you've positioned it to help some of these business owners and what to look for and maybe some of the solutions. So um, maybe uh, just if, if you're comfortable sharing, what's the first blind spot that you see dental practice owners and business owners encounter in your experience? Yeah. So, yeah. So we, like, like you said, we created this, um, this ebook because I kept having people say this to me. I, I don't know what I don't know. And, and <laughs> am I unique or why is this happening? And so I really sat down and tried to think through, you know, what are the most common things that, that owners encounter at this stage? And so the first one is that you've reached your limit and you know, there's got to be a better way. That's the first blind spot in the ebook. Okay. And maybe expand on that if you would. What what does that take and maybe some real world examples? Is that uh here I am at the at the office till nine o'clock again tonight and patients have been gone for four hours and I'm still working <laughs> on other stuff? Is that one example? And if so, um maybe what are what are some other examples? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, that's a great example, kind of feeling burnt out. You know, I think, you know, in that startup mode, you've got to dig in, figure things out, um, and and kind of this scrappy get it done, you know, MO is the way you can get started in your practice. But as you grow, all of a sudden you find yourself carrying out different roles and responsibilities within your practice that don't match up with your skills and desires. So um, like, why did you get into dentistry, you know, to serve patients probably, mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden you find so much of your time is being taken or, you know, either your time, you're not able to see enough patients or you're not able to be with your family or pursue your hobbies. And so you end up running out of capacity to do all of these things. And it, and so maybe it's not even that you're not capable, you just don't have enough time or you can feel like you're just not that good at it either. You know, we, we tell people, you know, if, if someone else wouldn't pay you to do uh, your payroll or design your website or screen resumes, your your practice probably shouldn't be paying you to do those things either. And and when you start out, you've probably got to do those things. But mm-hmm. once you get to this stage of growth, it's time to really start thinking about what are your things to do? What are you the best at? What are you most passionate about? What can your practice really only get from you? And the rest of it, you need to find... Um, either contractors or employees to carry out some of those roles and responsibilities for you instead of it taking up all of your time and energy. That's interesting. Yeah. Because to your point, when, when people first start a practice or a business, it's yeah, by, uh, you have to figure those things out on your own because you just don't have the capital and the revenue to pay that out or uh, hire somebody that is truly an expert in those specific areas to do it. And, you know, for a dentist, maybe they've already spent three to $500,000 borrowing money to go to dental school. And maybe if they're buying into an existing practice or starting up their own, they've doubled down again within a few years of completing dental school and borrowed another half million to a million dollars. And so uh, it's not a blank checkbook. And so you have to take on some of those responsibilities and learn how to be somewhat uh, proficient in some of those other areas uh, just by... uh, 
you know, <laughs> default. And then uh, the other thing that occurs to me as you were talking about it is, you know, it's it's not like there's this definitive point where you realize one day, okay, uh, you know, okay, well, today's Tuesday, you know, the 17th. And this is the day that I'm now moving from startup phase to growth phase. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, the general burnout and kind of the, uh, you know, like spending way too much time after hours or on the weekends, are those usually the inflection points or kind of the telltale signs of when people have moved into that phase? Yes. Yeah. Feel Starting to feel overwhelmed, burnout, like you're, you know, starting to drop balls. You can't keep everything going anymore is a really good indicator. I think the other thing is just, you know, you just have this feeling like this is not working anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like there's got to be a better way to do this. And so, um, I mean, I think when you find yourself in this situation, um, you know, think about what can you outsource and what can you automate? Are there different technologies that you can leverage that would, you know, reduce some manual processes? Can you integrate some of your systems to reduce some data entry and redundancy? Um, you know, how clear are you with your people, your other, you know, if you have other team members, how clear are you about their roles and responsibilities? And, 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 and really starting with yourself as the owner and saying, you know, what are all the things on my plate? What are all the things I do? And how much of this is really mine to do because I love doing it and the practice needs me to do this? And how much of this could be leveraged on somebody else? And I think a lot of times we think of outsourcing or adding employees as a cost, you know, mm. it's an expense, but you have to think about what does this make possible for me? So if you're, if you are somebody who is not seeing patients on Fridays so that you can do some of this stuff, well, what if you did see patients on Friday and outsource this um, administrative work to somebody else, I, I would almost guarantee that you can earn more from the procedures and the cases that you work on Friday than it will cost you to outsource some of those administrative functions. So, so trying to, you know, break down that, that mindset that this is, I'm just adding overhead here. If I mm -hmm. outsource this, think about what does this do for you? And, and for you, maybe, maybe you say, I don't want to take my Friday um, and and see more patients. I don't want to work more hours than I have been. I, I do want to take Fridays off. You know, so you just have to recognize, um, you know, what are your goals and priorities? What do you want? And how can you design your practice to um, to help you achieve that, both from a profitability standpoint and from your own personal, you know, um, joy and fulfillment from, you know, other aspects of your life. So blind spot number two is your gut feeling for what's happening in your business is no longer accurate. Uh, this one wasn't as uh, apparent to me when I read it for the first time. So maybe you could expand on that. Yeah. So a lot of times uh, owners have in their minds an expectation of, of what's going on in their business financially. Mm. So especially if you're the one who is doing all the work and, and recording it all yourself, you, you kind of know what's going on. But as you start to grow and bring on, uh, you know, associates or other doctors, or you delegate some of the record keeping to an outsource function or to an employee, you can start to lose touch 
with what's ha- with what's happening with what your numbers are. And so a lot of times um this is what'll happen is um owners will do this. They'll they'll go from um you know from doing it all and being overwhelmed to then just going completely hands off. And <laughs> so they go from and, number 1 to number 2 and they had a really good idea of what production was, what collections were, what percentage um, what revenue was on a monthly or a quarterly basis, then all of a sudden a couple of years go by and it's way off and they have no idea what happened. They have no idea. Right. And and so then um, they either think, okay, um, you know, these financials cannot be right because in my head, I know I saw this many patients and our overhead percentage is this and these financials cannot be right. Sometimes the financials are not right. Sometimes you don't have the right person, um, you know, doing this work and and there are adjustments and corrections needed. A lot of times, you know, the financials are right. It's just that the business owner or the um, the doctor that has lost um, track, you mm-hmm. know, but they can't account for everything in their head anymore because they're not the only one doing it all. And so, you know, as as your practice grows and scales, you can't continue to keep all those details in your head. So that's where it becomes really important to have financial reporting that gives you a clear picture of how your practice is doing. Where are you making money? Where are you spending too much money? You know, what, what procedures are most profitable? What is your production? So having financials that are structured in a way to give you meaningful information. And so that might mean that a simple profit and loss isn't enough. You know, if if you have different um, locations that you're tracking, if you have different um, departments, if you're trying to track um, maybe hygiene versus specialty procedures, there's different things that you that might be important depending on your practice. And so, having your financials set up in a way that will give you that information, um, because you're no longer capturing it and keeping it all in your head, you need to have financials that will be able to quickly show you what is relevant and important from your accounting system. And that's an interesting thing that I took away from from your ebook was thinking about these different profit centers within the business almost uh, as their own entities, like almost sub PLs for hygiene or specialty procedures, as you mentioned. That was interesting to me and something that I haven't uh, wasn't aware of before, I guess. And I guess in practicality, how does that, is that helpful to practice owners in, in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on on how your practice is structured. Um, we find this a lot in multi-location practices mm. where, um, you know, it's maybe when you have one location and you are doing a lot of, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's your tipping point on even number one is <laughs> you added another location. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be location. It could be if you are in a more specialized practice, maybe there's certain specialized procedures or customer bases that you or patient bases that you are, um, that are relevant to you. So thinking about your practice and what is relevant and knowing where does my practice make the most money and, and what might be a lower margin that feeds some of the higher margin procedures. So, you know, if I don't see enough patients in here regularly, or if our hygienists don't see enough patients in here regularly to, um, to, to feed the specialty procedures that are recognized in that appointment, then 
how do I know what to fix? You know, mm. so segmenting down by whatever is most relevant to your practice is a great way to go a little bit deeper than just looking at overall profit and loss. Cause in almost any business, um, whether it's a medical practice or, you know, manufacturing entity in almost any business, there are, there are different segments of the business or the practice that are more profitable than others. Mm-hmm. And, and so unless you have information that really shows you that, like, what does it cost us though to be able to do this? You know, what is the margin on this segment of customers or these types of procedures or this part of our practice? Um, then it's, it's really hard to know where to focus your efforts for growth. Um, you know, are you trying to go based on a lot of volume of, of low margin procedures or, um, really focused on driving up the revenue per patient by doing very specialized procedures? And if so, you know, the way you, those are just two different models. They're not right or wrong. They're just different models. It depends mm-hmm. on what you want to do, but how you achieve that requires different tactics. So having your financials in a way that can give you that more granular information can be really valuable in in managing the practice and you know figuring out your strategies. Blind spot number three, the dentist owner is spending a lot of time putting out fires instead of preventing them. Yeah. So you know as you add more people and more activities in your practice, it can become harder to identify the underlying issues. And so all of a sudden you can't really tell anymore if you're fixing symptoms or underlying causes. And I, and I don't mean with patients, I mean, within your, within your practice. And so that's a good analogy though, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, So in the ebook, I talk about the parable of the river. I don't know if, have you heard of this, Sean, before you read this? Yeah. I kind of get the concept of, you know, looking a little bit further upstream, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the parable of the river talks about, you know, noticing uh, these campers notice a baby floating down the river and they, they step in and save the baby. And then another one comes and another one comes and all of a sudden they cannot save all the babies. And, and one of the, the people get out and start walking away. And the other's like, where are you going? You know, we're so busy. We need you here. What are, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going upstream to find out he, who keeps throwing all these babies in the river. And so, you know, thinking about the the issues you're facing um, more upstream, we want to be able to prevent or at least more quickly detect those future issues. So identifying upstream challenges. Which gets at the heart of what dentistry is uh, to begin with, which is preventative to prevent bigger issues down the road, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when it comes to your financials or other aspects of your practice, um, it's the same concept. So a lot of, a lot of times, you know, cash flow might be a problem and, and that is just a symptom. Right. So mm-hmm. cash flow, having tight flow, tight cash flow is a symptom. You might have plenty of patient revenue. Your margins might be really strong. But if you're not collecting from your payments or your payors, your, your, um, insured or, um, um, government organizations quickly enough, that's going to impact your cash flow. And so a lot of times people will focus on, you know, looking at what do I have in receivables and how many days are my receivables out? Well, that only tells you what you already have. That's a lagging indicator. So you have to go upstream 
and and focus on preventing this problem instead of just you know recognizing the problem and and look at what is going on that's causing our customers to not pay us quickly mm. are we not getting collection at the time of the appointment are we too slow getting the invoices out to customers who didn't pay at the appointment are people not paying because they're disputing that we we didn't um, charge them correctly for the procedure? Are we getting denied claims from insurance companies? You know, there could be all kinds of issues contributing to the problem that that we're not receiving cash quickly enough. But a lot of times when you think about monitoring um, financial metrics, people are very focused on these lagging indicators. And that if you, if that's all you focus on, you're you're never going to get to the point where you prevent mm. you know the problem or or go upstream to find the solution. You have to dig down deep, and so that that could be something in in you know financial areas of the practice. It could be operationally. It could be with patients. It could be with your team. Um, so so this blind spot is really about determining the underlying activities. And, and thinking upstream, what are the leading indicators and the narrowing down um, so you can start measuring and monitoring those items, which will impact the future results, not just tell you. So not just tell you how many days old are your receivables, but get into the underlying activities that drive those number of days. And and, and so maybe for, for a particular practice, maybe there are a lot of errors in, um, you know, sending out billing statements to clients mm-hmm. or insurance companies. That's the problem that has to be fixed then. Set up measurements around accuracy um, or reducing the number of, you know, denied claims and and solve that problem. That will reduce your receivables days way faster than just watching your receivable days. Got it. Got it. Blind spot number four, you have more cash on hand than you're used to and you don't want to waste it. So this seems like a good problem to have, but there's some potential lost opportunity cost in there too, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't it seems like it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> More <laughs> money. Um but it it certainly can be. And so um this blind spot is really about the fact that you know, when things are going well, it's easy to get complacent and to let costs and inefficiencies creep in kind of become the status quo and you kind of get comfortable by the fact that you can afford things and you don't then focus on being as intentional. And so uh, a lot of uh, owners will create budgets early on in the startup phase and, and monitor them very closely because they have to, you know, they have to watch every dollar. And then as you end up becoming more profitable and having more cash, um, it's easy to, Kind of lose that discipline. So I think what what we like to see is owners to really think of the budget as a tool to plan for how you want to spend your money. So it doesn't have to be about you know stretching things um, you know as as tight as you can or or being frugal. I mean you certainly can look at it that way, but it's really about planning. Mm-hmm. How do you want to spend your money? Whether you have a lot or a little. Um, 
So this is this blind spot is about even if you have plenty of cash, being really intentional about what you do with that cash, making sure that you have reserves in place, for example. I mean, especially this year right. um, with COVID. I mean, a lot of I mean, obviously in Iowa, practices had to shut down. And so if you didn't have some cash reserves on hand, there were some tough decisions to make in fairly short order. Right. And and so um having a, a plan for how you want to spend money, how much you want to reinvest into the practice, how much you want to take out as the owner, how much you want to have on hand for reserves, you know, all of those things can play into um, this blind spot of utilizing a budget, not just when you don't have enough money, but also when you have plenty. Got it. And also keeping an eye on expenses. That made me think of, you know, if you've ever, uh, I think it was around COVID for me when things started getting a little bit tight for everyone, you're a little bit more aware of cash flow personally. I'm like, wait, how many streaming services are we paying for every <laughs> month? We have Netflix, Hulu, uh, Apple Music, Amazon. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> real world example as it relates to the businesses sometimes, but uh, you pay more attention sometimes uh, than you, when things get tight than you, when things are going well. So it's a reminder to also be mindful when things are going well, I think is my takeaway from number four too. Yes, um, definitely. Number five, the, the the fifth and the final blind spot uh, of the ebook that you that you wrote, Courtney. You have a vision for your future, but you're not sure if it pencils out. Talk to me a little bit more about this final blind spot. Yeah, so I think a lot of times um, owners do have a vision for their future, and and they they might even, they might have it written down, they might not, but they generally have a vision for their practice, and they often have strategies that um, that they are planning on executing in order to achieve the vision. But they don't often take that one next step to pencil things out. And so without going through this exercise of really crunching the numbers and using some financial models, which could be as simple as an Excel file, you know, all the way up to some sophisticated softwares um, and consultants and everything in between, it can be hard to really know whether your strategy is going to actually get the results that you're planning on. So using financial projections and forecasting or modeling, what if scenarios or projections um, to actually pencil out your strategy so that you're not just hoping that it works, that you're actually seeing um, that the numbers do work out and these are reasonable, realistic um, goals. Got it. Got it. Well, this is all really interesting. And I've learned a ton just by talking to you tonight and having this conversation. I guess my big takeaway is I think when people maybe stereotypically think about CPAs or accounting, it's it's always in terms of you know saving money on taxes. And what I'm really taking away from this conversation is that there's some real value in having uh, people on your team, if you're a small business owner, a, a dental practice owner, that are helping you uh, almost on a consultative basis with a lot of these numbers and what they all mean and how to be as efficient as possible. Is that maybe the the biggest uh, value that you guys hope to provide uh, the dental practice owners you work with? Absolutely. Yeah. We're really trying to help um, practice owners to grow and scale their practice um, and and fulfill their vision, you know, whether that's to be as profitable as they can or to be able to take Fridays off or, you know, whatever their variation of success is, um, you know, our, our real purpose is helping people understand how that financial information can be used to support 
decision making and to really give visibility to what's happening. So much of accounting is just reporting what's already happened. And and that's important and necessary. And we certainly do that. But we also want to help um, practice owners know that it can be a really valuable tool for knowing where you're headed and supporting decision making as well. So Courtney, for people that are interested and would like to get in touch with you and, and your firm and, and learn more and maybe explore a, a relationship with, with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, so you can certainly go to our website. It is tdtpc.com. Um, I'd actually love to to help your listeners out right now as well and give them a free copy of the the ebook that we just walked through. Um, so the ebook goes through each of these blind spots for um, growth stage practices. And uh, like like we talked about, you know, a lot of times owners get to this point where they feel like something's off and they don't know what it is. The ebook will help you diagnose, uh, mm. you know, the issues and gives you some language around what your problem might be and how do I know that this is what I'm struggling with and, and what you can work on um, to solve it. And so I think that's a really great next step. Um, and, and if you if your listeners want more help after that, we're certainly available. There's links throughout the inside of the ebook, you know, with contact information, and we'd love to hear from them as well. Um, so they can get that free ebook. Um, they can either text blind spot to three three seven 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 or they can go to tdtpc.com slash practice growth. And so that's how they can get that free ebook. And I hope that will be um, helpful to all the practice owners out there. Awesome. Well, we appreciate that. I hope the listeners will, will too. Thank you for, for making that available uh, for free to the Practice Growth Podcast listeners. Absolutely. My pleasure, Sean. Well, Courtney, uh, this has been really fun. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining us and for sharing your expertise and your wisdom. Uh, really appreciate uh, Courtney Durandi of TDT CPAs and Advisors being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you, Sean. It was my pleasure. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carroll Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Carroll Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance tracking number 2020-112526, expiration date November 2022.